With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, alongside TJ Pittinger. TJ, I am still so sad from the Florida loss uh, to LSU, but I guess that's uh, why we play the games, huh? Peak to Pit has finally reversed fortunes. Um, Really the best day that Florida State's had in a long time on Saturday. Um, You know, winning in both. It was the first day in history, which there's not a lot of crossover with this, so I'd be shocked if it had ever happened for one of the other schools um, that we're going to mention because usually all six teams wouldn't play on the same day. But in the same day, Florida State won in basketball and football, and their two biggest rivals, Florida and Miami, lost in those two sports. The first time it's ever happened that way for Florida State, I'd be shocked if if that same scenario had ever happened for Florida or Miami just because – usually there's not that much crossover football is typically wrapped up by the time basketball starts. Sometimes you'll have a bowl game, right? you know, maybe overlap with the basketball game, but certainly never all six playing on the same day. So that was kind of interesting. The day started out pretty scary. I was, I was at the, the Florida state, Florida basketball game and three or four minutes in, I mean, we're not breaking news to anybody here that's listening, but three or four minutes in Keontae Johnson um, passes out in one of the strangest, scariest. I mean, my stomach was in knots for the rest of the day just because there weren't a lot of updates and and a lot of the things we were hearing. Um, but man, one of the scariest things I've ever seen, and most people inside the Tucker Center had ever seen at a sporting event. And fortunately, we've gotten the news back since then, and and we've gotten some positive updates since then that that he is doing better. He's FaceTime with some of his teammates. It sounds like um, the AD has made his way over there and visited with him recently. We've gotten some positive updates from the university and his family. So hopefully still seeing him recover, but man, we were all pretty scared for most of the yeah. day on Saturday. It, it did put a lot of things into perspective, but. Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, not, not even just Saturday. They, um, uh, you know, even I want to say maybe it was Sunday or Monday. His grandfather said he was in a medically induced coma and um, they were going to potentially bring him out of it that day. And he said, they're not sure if there's brain activity. And, you know, that's a pretty intense 
statement, you know, especially from his grandfather. So obviously somebody very close to the situation. So it's not like, you know, sources say or, or whatever else like that's, that's direct knowledge. And so that really had me kind of shaken. Um, and even, I mean, if you go back and watch the video, it, it wasn't like, you know, he got lightheaded. And so he kind of like, you know, stumbled to the ground or anything. He was out like a light, his face smashed that floor. That was one of the most intense things I've seen in a really long time. But I'm so excited to hear and see um, these updates from from the university. They said that he's sitting in a chair and talking and joking with teammates and his parents and medical staff. And that's a far cry from being in a coma, not sure if there's brain activity, just, you know, 48 hours before that. So that honestly is a miraculous recovery, regardless of where it goes from here. Obviously, we hope that he makes a complete and full recovery. But it just, you know, that mentally taxing on everybody that was there. I know you were there for his teammates. It just, uh, these are the things that put life into perspective and put sports into perspective. And I know um, the way that Florida State handled it was first class. They, um, you know, really bent over backwards to make sure that his family and the university had everything that they need. And, you know, kind of takes, you know, makes the rivalry, you know, uh, on the back burner for a minute. And uh, I know that UF is incredibly grateful for all the stuff that Florida State did for them. Yeah, for sure. He was at Tallahassee um, Medical Center for a couple of days. Yeah, I I mentioned this and, and said to a couple of other people and tweeted as well. Obviously, in the most, you know, even these positive things were so, so small at the time. But I've never seen a situation where rivals, uh, like huge rivals too, like, you know, two hour away, biggest game of the year, every year rivals cheer for the other team when they're the only ones on the court. But twice, uh, Florida came out of the huddle and huddled up at midcourt once he was gone. And the Florida State crowd, the small crowd that was there due to the pandemic, what I totally gave them not a standing ovation, like nobody really stood, but like cheered and celebrated their just the team coming back onto the court. And then Florida came off the court and uh, huddled up with Mike White again. And the officials were talking with both uh, head coaches. And I, I don't know how much of this was really captured on TV, but then Florida came back onto the court again first, and you could tell they were pretty shaken up. And the crowd again. Florida State was still on the bench. Like it wasn't like both teams came out and they clapped. Like so, the the very obviously pro FSU crowd was there clapping, and so it just you know in the heat of the game, in a game that was you know close to the beginning, and you know a few minutes after that wasn't super close for the rest of the game. Like it just like you said, put it all in perspective, and not that oh man, I'm glad this had you know not not like anything like that, but it was it was good to see you know the the fans react like that. Florida State's administration and coaching obviously give the option to to just cancel the game. I mean, I, being out of conference, I'm sure it wouldn't even have been rescheduled. But um, they ended up playing and Florida State ended up winning. But even after the game, I mean, I, I was very happy that I went and saw a win. I mean, nobody likes to see their team lose no matter what the situation is. But nobody really cared. Right. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah, I'm glad we won, right? Like I'm never going to say like, oh, well, I hope we lose this game because some the other team had a tragedy or a potential tragedy. But it wasn't. It wasn't important. It was really just keep checking Twitter for updates. <laughs> you know, we went yeah. back to the room and I we're like checking. That's what I've been doing for days now. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I've never retweeted UF men's hoops as much as I have, <laughs> you know, just looking for any kind of sign of positivity, but we have gotten some of that. We've gotten some positivity and, um, thank God for that. Yeah. Definitely a, a scary moment. So I'll keep going. Then we, uh, left the basketball game after Florida state one. And we went to Karen. And I went back to the hotel room. It's definitely different because there's no tailgating or anything, which is great because it gave me the stamina to be able to make it through the whole day and two games, sure. everything else. We went back to the hotel room and she took like a quick little nap. And I, uh, um, watched some of, I don't even know what game would have been on at that point. I guess Alabama was playing at noon. Uh, watched some of the Alabama Arkansas game. That was kind of a laugher and, and not close by the time we got back and we walked over to Doak. Actually, we, Drove. I was going to walk, but then it looked like it was like two miles from the hotel. So I drove over to Doak and Florida State beat Duke pretty handily. Um, they were up 28 to seven, and that ended up being cut to 28 21. And you really felt like Florida State was going to blow it like they nearly did against North Carolina, but they ended up winning 56 to 35. It was 56 to 28, and then a late touchdown allowed Duke to not get doubled up. But Florida State beat a, a bad team, responded well to adversity after the game nearly being tied up. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how much you're going to take away from beating a two-win team, but Florida State was a two-win team when they won it. So uh, beat a bad team, and they play a Wake Forest team this weekend who isn't great but is definitely better than them. And so we'll see if they can find a way to get to four wins. Earlier in the year you said that you didn't see a way that Florida State would get to four wins. I still don't think they do, but if they do, then maybe they'll get a bowl invite and be able to get to five and six. I don't know. So there was a lot more. So then after that, we went to, I'll keep going. After that, we went to Proof Brewing and I watched the Florida LSU game at Proof with a few beverages. And I will let you take over the commentary at that point. So I think, you know, out of the gate, Florida did not play well. They started slow, which they have, I would say probably for the last month. Um, and, I really did think going into halftime that this was still not going to be an issue. I figured that Dan Mullen was lighting the locker room on fire um, at halftime. Florida would come out. Kyle Trask had an off day. Kyle Trask hasn't had an off day this entire season. Um, He's not a robot. These things happen. Unfortunately, he had his worst day as a Gator the same day that like pretty much everybody else had their worst day as a Gator, which isn't great. Kyle Pitts um, also did not play, which I thought that the broadcast team did not do a great job. They kind of made it seem uh, about the Pitts situation, not overall, just about the Pitts situation. They made it seem like Mullen was sitting him to save him for the SEC championship game. And they said things like, you know, he's been texting everybody to let us all know that it wasn't his decision. Well, The truth of the matter is he didn't practice the entire week and he wasn't cleared by Florida's medical staff to play. So I think, and I'm not saying that Florida would have beaten LSU with Kyle Pitts playing. I I would like to think he would make a difference, but honestly, Florida was so God awful on Saturday that I don't know that it made, would make enough of a difference. But I just think it's an interesting note because I don't know if you've been seeing the same kind of stuff that I have on social media, but I've seen Mullen getting blasted for being arrogant enough to sit Kyle Pitts and rest him for Alabama. And I do think it's important to point out that like, that's not the case at all. He wasn't cleared to play. So he couldn't play. That's, you know, there was no, you know, anything, you know, behind it outside of that. Um, Let's see what else. Um, I've I've heard, I've heard some things 
And I know that that's the official statement, and I'm not saying that Florida is just out and out lying, but I've just heard some things that are I'm nothing that if we've heard the same things. Um, yeah, I've just I've just heard things from people that I know are close to the program and are just saying they don't believe that. You know, like and so like that is complete hearsay. That is not, you know, obviously there is nothing to that. Um, but I'm just hearing that that wasn't the case. Like they just don't believe it, that it just purely was being cocky and sitting him. And so, I, you know, I'm not saying that UF's lying on that. I'm just, you know, if it would have been Alabama, was he sitting, you know, it's kind of like the, the question that was like sent back that way. And so anyway, I, there's a little bit of doubt. Like there's a, like, if yeah. we're in a court case, there's some reasonable doubt about that in my mind. Like, well, I'm not, and I think that, I'm, you know, that's fair based on how Florida has played without pits, these other games, you know, it hasn't been an issue at all when he's been there. Obviously Florida is a better team when Pitts plays. So I'm in no way taking away from him there, but I think that Florida has done fine without him as well. And so, I, I mean, I can see where that creates some sort of, um, doubt but you know as of now the official statement is that he didn't practice this entire week which i feel like that's a pretty bold statement to make if it's not true um because that's pretty verifiable and the idea that every single person on that practice field keeps their mouth shut and doesn't refute that seems un you know somewhat unlikely but yeah. um i also just yeah and that's the other thing like i was seeing hearing from some of those same people that I mean, they even kind of made reference to that on Stadium and Gale. I don't know how much you listen to that, but I, I like to listen to the rival podcasts after, you know, teams have a big loss. So they even made mention of that and uh, Mullen keeping the offense kind of vanilla. Um, yeah. Saving things from Alabama. And I'll, I'll just tell you, like, I don't know where I lie on either one of those. Like, I just don't – Florida's offense has basically done the same exact thing every game this year, you know, like yeah. they, they don't, nothing yet new has come out. And so like, I don't know to think that Mullins and they've been super effective. So I think he's like really No, I mean, that's not to say like, he's not saving a gadget play or two, mm-hmm. but like that's way different than keeping the offense vanilla. I mean, they, I mean, Kyle Trask is about to have the best stats of any UF quarterback ever in a shortened season. Like, I don't think anything's been vanilla or right? like, or he was sure. saving stuff for Bama. So I, I don't know. Like I'm kind of up in the air on, on both of those, but I mean, there's at least enough for me to question, you know, like those guys on Stan Miguel are pretty plugged into the program and, yeah. and did seem to think both of those things that, you know, one Pitts could have played and they weren't buying the medical thing. And then two, that things are being kept vanilla, which again, I'm not saying either one of those things are definitely sure. true or definitely false, but like there's at least a question. And when you lose games like that, there's going to be a question, right? Like if Florida would have made the kick and then won it overtime. Nobody's even caring about yeah. Pitts playing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's not, you know, it's not discussed, but I don't know. So, and then we get to um, the shoe throwing. Second, second, in, yeah. Second, second half. I'm sorry. I interrupted you right around the second half. I, I thought the same thing. I'll say this. I I even tweeted, I think Florida still wins this game. Yeah. By two touchdowns. LSU scored on a pick six. They, they had one really nice drive to, to start the game, tie the game up seven, seven. Uh, they should have been down more because Florida got stopped on a fourth and one. They, you know, only had the lead because Florida threw a couple of one bad interception, one just unlucky. Like the tipped interception yeah. wasn't 
Trask's fault. Like even with Trask being having sure. three turnovers, I thought two weren't his fault. Like one yeah. strip sack, like that's on the O line. So like yeah. you know, but without those turnovers and without the pick six and without Florida against the, I thought Florida should have been up by like 17 at the half. Yeah. So that's why I thought like they'll come out in the second half and they will score a couple of times. LSU will quit. Not quit, but just not be able to yeah, you know, measure. Yeah, they will be able up. to hang. They yeah. And then Florida will win this going away. They'll still win by like 10 or so. It'll be like kind of an underwhelming win, which Florida has had the last month. Um, but I, yeah, so the second half starts and they do come out and take the lead back, which is yeah. at the point that Florida took the lead, maybe 27, 24 or whatever it was, I thought it was over. I was yeah, like, well, that's too. it for LSU. Like there's no way they're going to come back. And they did. Yeah, no, they did. And, you know, I, I think this kind of brings us – towards the the Marco Wilson incident, the th- shoe-throwing incident. And I have um, real mixed feelings about this, which you would not believe if you read my Twitter on Saturday night. But, or your um, text. Oof. Or my text. Yeah, I was hot. I, was, I don't think that I have been this angry of, over a football game in a really long time. Like, <laughs> I was pissed. Um, and here's why. I am the last person to criticize um, mistakes made on the field in terms of like, if you missed a tackle, you missed a field goal, you missed an open receiver, things like that for a couple of reasons. One as the wife, sister, daughter, granddaughter of college football players, it drives me nuts when fans act like they either know more or, or could do better than the people out there. Right. And I don't think that there's a single person that is in the stands or at home watching that wants this player to succeed more than this player wants themselves to succeed. Right. So it drives me nuts when people criticize players play too much. Now, granted, that's part of what we do as, you know, as I guess, whatever. What do, we, what do you call us? I, I used to do it in my real life when I was a reporter a million years ago, but now we just, you know, talk shit for fun. But as a general fan, I don't think it's great to criticize the play of players. That being said, I think when you make boneheaded, selfish plays outside of you know your football play, that you are fair game. I cannot remember a more selfish play. I saw some people talk on Twitter comparing it to Dallas Baker in 2004 when he slapped a Tennessee defender. It put them in field goal range with the penalty. They won by a field goal. It was in Knoxville. I was there. I don't think this is comparable in any way because Dallas Baker was slapped first and then slapped the Tennessee defender. The ref sat there, watched both, and flagged Dallas. So was it boneheaded? Sure. I don't think it was in the same league, though because it it was a reaction to what had just happened to him. I think if you look at the tape on this, seeing Marco Wilson's teammates' faces, they all knew that second what that shoe throw meant. Um, but here's where I have a mixed emotion. We want our players to play with fire and passion. We want these guys to you know, beat the hell out of each other for 60 minutes. So I don't know that we're supposed to be shocked when they make, you know, aggressive actions like this after the play when that's what we expect of them during the play. I think the difference for me on Wilson is that the last year at least, but but truly prior to this year as well, I feel like he's made about one in 10 plays that he's supposed to. And then every time he makes that one play, 
he celebrates like he won the Super Bowl. And I think that's where I have the issue. This is to me, he hasn't done something this egregious prior to this, but for me, it's a pattern. It makes me think it's his attitude. It's, you know, and I don't know if he thinks that this is, gives him an edge or something like that, but it, but it doesn't. And I think that the, the, the saying act like you've been there should have applied to this situation. That all being said, Florida did not do what they needed to do to win this game, but they were still in a position to win this game. So while I understand everybody saying one play doesn't cost Florida the game, that is true. But they were in a position to win anyway with all of the things that had previously happened until this asinine move. So I, you know, I, I think he cost his team a an easier shot at a national title. I think he potentially helped cost Trask a Heisman trophy. Now Trask didn't help himself with his turnovers, but I think if Florida beats LSU, Florida figures out a way to come back at the end, Trask leaves a drive down there. I don't, I think that the turnovers get forgiven. I think they kind of get lost in the shuffle. He'd thrown three this entire season prior to this game. So six on the year isn't a big deal. I don't think that, that would really, have precluded. Really him. just five. Really just yeah. five. because Right. Was a, right. Um, so like, I don't think that precludes him, but I think that the way that they lost potentially does. And so I think that's why I'm so bothered. It feels like this is somewhat of a pattern. It feels like this was more of a choice. This is something that happened. And, and here's the thing too. This doesn't happen on a Saban coached football team. So if you want to figure out how to hang with a team like Alabama and not just hang with a team like Alabama, create a dynasty like Alabama has been building for the last decade, you better not have a single player in that locker room that would have considered picking up that shoe and throwing it. So we can say he's an 18 or a 22 year old kid or, you know, whatever. And he was in the heat of the moment. But the fact of the matter is that doesn't happen on an Alabama team. So what's the difference between an Alabama team and a Florida team? And the answer is clearly more discipline. So if you want to get to what Alabama has, you better figure out what it takes to do that. And it sure as hell isn't throwing shoes. Yeah, I definitely have a few thoughts on that. Um, I kind of see where you're coming from with just like passion and heat of the moment. This was just so different than anything we've ever seen. Agreed. As far as like getting caught. Now I can understand the justification of like, he was just super, you know, passionate and just, you know, it's so much adrenaline going and just felt like he had to, somebody's space or yeah, something like that. It's just, so just, much worse. Yeah. And I mean, think about if this would have been on the basketball court, if he did on this on somebody's shoe on the basketball court, like after like taking a charge or something, right? Like ejected. Yeah, and it would have been hit. It would have hit some fan in the face, sure. right? Like not their beer. So, and I don't know if this would have been done in a basketball game. Like, imagine how much more you know, because it would have hit a fan. You know, it would have resulted in literally free throws for the other team, right? Like, it would have been a technical foul. Uh, you know, it just would have been insane. So, yeah, like it reminds me of the old Miss play where the kid did the yeah. uh-huh. celebration. The problem yeah. is, or the difference is that it's. 17 times more important. Like both those teams were like four and seven. Like it just didn't matter. You know, they, oh, you lost your rivalry game. It's like when Florida State played Florida in 2017 and both teams were terrible. It'd be like losing that. Like, ah, we lost to the Gators that year, but like 
both teams sucked. You know, it didn't matter. You know, Florida was four and seven going to that game, and Florida or four and six going to that game, and Florida State was six and five, right? So like the right. game just didn't matter. So, right. you know, but this, like you said, probably cost trash the Heisman. Probably cost Florida. I mean, you know, I don't know that they were going to beat Alabama next week anyway, but or this week, but you know, just the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and the most random thing. Like if you, yeah, if yeah. he like st- like the other like whoever thirteen is thirteen was like standing over the guy, and that's what I originally thought the penalty was for because I was watching. The, by that time, proving close, we were back at the hotel. I was watching, and that's what I thought. Like I thought thirteen like said something like. Stay down there, you you know, son of a yeah, you know, yeah. like that's what I thought the penalty was for. I could have never like if, and even Kara said like, oh, there's a flag, and I was like, ah, oh, like I must have mouthed off, like LSU's gonna get a first down. And even that, I mean, you'd be pissed, right? Like you'd sure, be sure, but like you could understand, like you can rationalize, like I mean, they're college kids, they're talking crap. Like I talk crap when, you know, like just all the time, right? And I'm 30 years old, so like you could understand that, or like a guy getting a late hit. You know, because he's hyped up or just whatever, but like, yeah, throwing somebody's shoe is the most absurd. Like, yeah, it just it's absurd. It is. I can, and I would have been pissed. Don't get me wrong. If he would have talked smack and it got a first down, anything that resulted in a penalty that gave LSU a first down there, I would not have been pleased. This just seems like a microcosm of how far Florida still has to go to get to where they want to be. If that makes sense. And I, and that probably sounds super dramatic, but that that's what it feels like the top teams. This doesn't happen to them. It does feel like old Miss Mississippi state, two teams that are completely irrelevant and it didn't matter, but this mattered. You were playing for everything. You played like crap, the team as a whole, the entire game. But you know what? Sometimes that happens to good teams and you are still in a position to close the door on, yes, LSU had three wins, but they're also the reigning national champions. They've been a top four recruiting class the last several years in a row. Like this is still a team filled with athletes. You still had them where you wanted them despite everything that happened. And then you do something that asinine. And that just makes me feel like Florida has farther to go than it felt like they had earlier in the season. And that pisses me off. I also think that, again, I I think that kind of like we had talked about earlier, I don't really know what I expected Mullen to say after this. Yeah. I certainly didn't expect him to say that he just thought it was like a football play and kind of skirt the question. I, I, I don't, you know, I think people are mostly off of it, but I, you know, people, and we're recording this on Wednesday night now, just because we both had a couple of crazy days, but people were not, I mean, even the Gator fan base was not thrilled yeah, with Mullen's answers about, pumped. about, you know, like, I'm not trying to, I know you guys are, cl- I'm not trying to get you to dog him real hard or anything, but like, I just, I didn't think it was the best answer so that he could have given it. I wasn't moment. that pleased with the answer. I specifically was like, oh man, we're listening to the press, the post game. I need to see him on fire or whatever. But I will say this, and this is not an excuse, um, but I think it is what actually happened. If you notice when this play happened, they called it on 11, right? And also it was foggy as can be. So Mullen said he didn't see it. Also in the, you know, I, I was pissed that Marco Wilson was out there the next play. But I think part of that is that they did flag 11, which was the, the wrong player to have it called on. And then we went immediately, you know, get that defense right back out there. So I honestly think he didn't know the extent of it. I would be interested to hear what he has to say about it 
now. I'll be interested to see if he just immediately starts about against Alabama. And, you know, I'm about to talk out of both sides of my mouth here where I say I don't really like criticizing players play, but I really can't imagine that it particularly hurts Florida for Marco Wilson to sit on the bench during the SEC championship game, or at the very least for the first few plays as a punishment or something. If we don't have another guy who can make one in 10 tackles that come his way sitting on the bench, then Florida has bigger problems than, I thought it's not like he is not Florida's best DB. He can't, you, you cannot tell me that that's Florida's best DB. So I think that there should be some kind of lesson. Um, But I also think that Mullen over his time at Florida, something that I know, like, you know, my brother and, and Eric and stuff have said is that they kind of like that Mullen doesn't talk crap about his players publicly and that he kind of keeps that in house And so I do wonder how much of that is him feeling the need to be defensive outside the home. And it's like, we take care of business in our own home. We don't need your opinion. Thanks. And I don't know that that was necessarily the right moment for that to happen, but I I don't know if that's a factor too. I think that's a bad way to convey that. Like you're saying, and I don't know if he just gets, well, I don't know that that's what he was doing or not, but I do know he has a tendency to do that. So I, I you know, maybe not being as aware in the post-game press conference. Um, the next day on Sunday, he said, and I quote, I went back to watch the play and he made the tackle. Part of the football move, the kid's shoe was in his hand and he kind of jumped and celebrated his teammates. So it's pretty unfortunate in that situation. I don't think there was any intent to taunt, uh, end quote. He threw the shoe Tim, 20 yards yeah, down the field. Yeah, so so Tim, let's say he thought it was the football as opposed to the shoe in his hand or whatever and just tosses it. That's a penalty anyway, right? Yeah. I So to me, Mullen's press conference statement on Saturday night is fine because right. you can kind of hide under the like the, you know, he kind of just played dumb with it. You know, basically on, on Sunday, once he had obviously seen the video and seen the film and knew what happened and knew which player it was – he right, just right, kind and of, he still chose to and, defend and again, it in that way. He, so I remember when Jameis came out in full uniform against Clemson when he was supposed to be suspended for the game, and that got played on ESPN a million times. And they asked Jimbo about it in the press conference after, and I thought he did a good job of not throwing Jameis under the bus because that was the first question, right? It wasn't how'd you guys win sure. in overtime or how'd you do it without your best player or how'd you do it without the Heisman. They asked him about that, right? And just like this, they didn't ask him like, you know. Why'd you call the timeout on the last play? Or what about the three intercept? They asked about the shoot. Like, that's all the media care. So, and I remember Jimbo doing a, a fairly good job of not throwing Jameis completely under the bus, but also having like a little bit of accountability and saying, we're going to handle this internally. And I th- really feel like that's all Mullen had to say. Like, hey, it, w- it was an unfortunate play, got caught up in the heat of the moment. We'll handle things internally and we're yeah. looking at Bama. And yeah. so to kind of like skirt it and say, ah, I don't think there was an intention to taunt and yeah. Say it was part of a football move. Like, come on, man. Like, right. there don't. There's one thing about like not throwing under the bus, but there's another thing like don't go to bat for like really bad actions. Like Jimbo didn't get up there and say like, oh yeah, Jameis just is a piece of crap, and like how dare he come out in uniform? Or just like, oh yeah, he he. I forgot to tell him he was suspended, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I think that it's just kind of weird that. um that that was kind of the way I explained it. Florida did have a chance at the end. Um, LSU did end up mm-hmm. kicking a field goal on that drive, a, a long field goal, a 57-yarder. 57-yarder. And it would have been good yeah. from 60. Well, I don't know how you can tell because I the it's so 
foggy. But yeah, the camera angles at the end of that game were so terrible. Like I hate watching from behind the the play. But uh, Trask did, you know, and this was kind of the thing. Like it all kind of gets forgiven if 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 Evan McPherson makes that field goal, make his field goal. Which again, it's not really on him. I mean, no, it's, it's not on it's him. And that, I but Trask I had did. Not, go ahead. Trask did drive UF down with yeah. not much time left. And and if he makes the field goal, Florida pro- – I, I, some people disagree with me on Twitter. that I think Florida does win in overtime because I just think that yeah, by the momentum that time, would have been on them at know, that point. So Trask does lead the game-tying drive with 20 seconds and then – Potentially has his highest moment. Yeah, it throws the game-winning touchdown. And so even with all of that, like you could have – I don't know that – his odds would have like increased at that moment, but, but they, they probably, probably just wouldn't have decreased. taken the hit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, for better or worse, the Heisman is so much tied to winning as we've mm-hmm. talked about. And so losing a game, we actually said this last week on the pod that, you know, if either team was to lose Alabama or Florida, it would really, really hurt the other yeah. or that, you know, quarterback's chances of, of winning it. And so it, it will really come down to Saturday. Um, yeah, I think that they're, you know, Trask isn't out of it, right? Like he's plus 300, no. but he's not like out of it. He's still second on most books, third on a couple behind Devonta Smith. But I mean, if Trask goes out and throws six touchdowns and Florida wins the game, I mean, he's going to win it. You know, I mean, that, that the, the, whichever quarterback wins is still the case. Like that's still what's going to happen, you know, without, you know, unless Devonta Smith just has like three or four touchdowns or something crazy, then maybe he could sneak in and get it. But like, you know, it still comes down to that. You know, if yeah. if, if Trask goes off and Florida is able to win um, against Alabama, I mean, I I think that he's going to win it. Now, I'm not predicting that to happen, but I still think that he's got not as good of a chance because I think that they have less of a chance to to beat Alabama, and that probably is going to be because of his, you know, the defense uh, that mm-hmm. Florida is going to try into the game. But what are your uh, what are your early thoughts on the? Well, not even early now. It's going to be Thursday when this drops. What are your thoughts on the Alabama game? So I and before before we even get into those, I will say that um, Ali has requested that I bring over several bottles of bourbon um, on Saturday night when we watch this together. So whatever she tells you are her thoughts. Just know that there there are other things going into the evening um, to take her mind off. The, so no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Um, okay, so first of all, I will say I think that Florida's chances of beating Alabama are not great. So everything that says after that, I'm prefacing. That statement. I do not think that Florida has great odds to beat Alabama. I do not think that it's impossible any given Saturday, right? Um, That being said, this Saturday is a little different than pretty much every other Saturday. I find myself in quite a conundrum because I don't bet against Florida, but I also don't bet against Nick Saban. So I'll have to decide what What to do. It would have just been easier for you if Georgia would have just won, then you wouldn't have that conundrum. (laughs) No, no. So I thought, you know, I thought that Arkansas gave a little bit of a blueprint for how to be successful against Alabama in the first 10 minutes of their game. I don't think that Arkansas clearly has the horses to hang with Alabama. So it didn't, uh, once Alabama made some adjustments, there wasn't a whole lot that Arkansas could do about it. But I did think it was interesting to watch the beginning of the game. And I hope that Florida's coaches have studied that film because it, to me, was very interesting to see Alabama get stopped by a team that I don't consider very good and clearly isn't. They ended up beating them by like 50 points. But um, 
that was interesting watching that in the, in the very beginning. I think for Florida to have a shot, they have to play a perfect game. And I think they have to force some Alabama mistakes, which I think forcing Alabama mistakes is probably the harder part of that equation. Um, I like the idea of Florida and Alabama getting into a shootout. I think that Florida has the horses to potentially score every possession, but they need to make that happen. And I feel like on offense, the last couple of weeks, they haven't prior to this. Yes. Florida has, has been incredibly high powered. I want to see, I don't know that Florida can win the game without scoring on pretty much every possession, because I don't think the defense is going to do a whole lot. Alabama's defense is also not great. So, and this will be the best offense that Alabama has faced and it's not close. Um, you know, that being said, I, I don't think Florida wins. I think that it's, I, I think it would be a, a huge monumental upset if Florida figures out how to put it together and win. If Florida wins, I think they're going to the playoffs. And I think there's going to be a lot of people pissed about that. I think we saw a lot of people pissed about when the playoff rankings came out. But I've had this discussion with a lot of people this weekend. And TJ, I haven't had it with you, but we can have it right now. I don't think that it is easy to keep a two-loss SEC team out of the playoffs if a couple of things happen. I think if either A, Notre Dame beats Clemson, which I don't think, I think that's the the lesser likely of these two scenarios, or Clemson beats Notre Dame decently. Like I'm talking beats Notre Dame by at least two scores, but probably three or more. If that happens, Clemson's in, right? I think as long as Ohio State takes care of business against Northwestern, uh, against everything that I find holy, Ohio State is in. I think Bama's in regardless of whether or not they win. So Bama's in. From that, we're left with a couple options. You're left with Florida. You're left with the winner of you're, – you're left with Iowa State if Iowa State can beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, or you're left with Texas A&M. I think there's a great chance that Oklahoma beats Iowa State. I don't know that Florida needs Oklahoma to beat o- Iowa State, but I think it makes their path that much easier if they do. So let's say Oklahoma beats Iowa State. I think you put Florida in over Texas A&M. I think that you put the reigning SEC champion who just beat Alabama in over the team that lost to Alabama by like 30 points. I think if that game had been close, maybe we'd be having a different discussion. But I think that Florida's in. I don't like the idea that it feels like not playing your games this year is more beneficial than playing your games. And I think that we saw the playoff committee reward Florida because of that. Florida got in all of their games. If the SEC decides to be like the ACC and not play Florida LSU this past weekend or Alabama, Arkansas, we'd be sitting here saying it doesn't really matter if that game happened or not. Florida was a 24. A four point favorite, they would have crushed them. So it was totally irrelevant. It was smart of the conference to cancel it because they were going to win anyway. You might as well rest your your guys up, give them another week to prepare. Blah blah blah. So, and for sure, every single one of us would have been sitting here saying that. So I don't think it's fair to say, well, Ohio State, you know, missed two or three games here and there, but you know, they were games that they were heavy favorites in. They would have won. There would have been no upsets, so it doesn't really matter. It's they might as well be nine and zero, or you know, or whatever, because that's exactly what would have happened. 
that's the same line we'd be saying if Florida didn't play this game last weekend. So I don't, I don't think it's fair that we make the assumption that these games that got canceled would have automatically been wins for the, for the favored team. This is why we play these games. So I have a few thoughts and I disagree with you on nearly everything. Shocking. Um, The, I do not believe that Florida is ranked number seven right now in the college football rankings because the playoff committee feels like rewarding them for playing their games because Ohio State is ranked fourth right now for not playing their games. And so why would they hold Florida to one standard that they're holding Ohio State to a different one. Like, I just don't, I don't know why both would exist. I think that Florida, maybe they're rewarding them for playing their games, but if they are, they're doing that at the expense of teams behind Florida, not teams that are going to win in their end, right? Like, so they're doing that at the expense of Georgia. They're doing that at the expense of Cincinnati. They're doing that at the expense of Coastal Carolina. They're not doing that at the expense of teams that are ahead of them. The, I think the reason that Florida is ranked number seven right now is because the playoff committee is basically saying, if you're not in the power five conferences, we don't care. Like we yeah. just don't care about you. Like Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati's played all but one of their games. Like at eight, no, you know, Cincinnati behind Florida, who has two losses, one to a 23 point dog. I don't understand that. You know, I don't think we I, needed I guess, this scenario to tell I, us that the playoff committee I, doesn't care yeah, about I, anything outside I, of the power five. I mean, and it's, and it's the committee speaking out of their mouth one way, but not the other, because if you're going to keep Florida ahead of Georgia right now, Georgia looks like the better team than Florida right now. No question. But Florida won the head to head. So you have Florida ahead of them. So I understand that logic, but that logic doesn't but hold when, up. When, when, when if, did you last see Georgia play? I mean, their game got canceled last week. They, uh, I don't know that that's a fair assessment. I know Georgia didn't lose to a 23-point dog. I mean, the last time I saw Georgia take the field, they won 49-14. to 14. The last time before that, they won 45-16. to 16. Like, they've looked much better with JT Daniels at quarterback than they did before. And so, I, I, yeah, I think Georgia looks better than Florida. I mean, Florida hasn't looked good since they beat – well, since they beat Arkansas. Sorry, that game they did look good. But since then, uh, unconvincing win against Vandy, unconvincing win against – Kentucky, unconvincing win against Tennessee, 23-point spread loss to um, LSU. So, you know, maybe just slightly. Like, I'm not saying Georgia is light years better, but to me, Georgia looks better than Florida right now. But I'm okay with the playoff committee's logic of, but we're not going to move them because we saw them on a neutral field and and Florida won that game. That's fine. But if that's your standard, you can't jump Florida over A&M later because of a common opponent when they matched up together. To me, the argument of a common opponent is irrelevant when both teams played each other. And I think the argument's going to be the SEC. Listen, the only way Florida gets in is if they win the SEC championship out of the scenario that I played. I think that, and other things happen, but I think that other things have to happen too. But honestly, I think the other two things are pretty likely to happen. I think the least likely portion of the scenario I laid out is Florida beating Alabama. I think there's a great chance Clemson wipes the floor with Notre Dame. I think there's a great chance Oklahoma beats Iowa State. 
truly Florida only for sure needs one of those things to happen. I think the path gets easier if two of those things happen, but they have to beat Alabama. And that's, that's the, and that's the hardest part of all of that. That's probably not happening. But, but the other side of that is even if they beat Alabama, I don't know how you jump ahead of Texas A&M. Like I understand, I understand that we say that um, you play this game at the end of the year, and because that game's in Atlanta, it it means more. But at the end of the day, it was just a game. Like Florida played a sixty minute game against Alabama, and Texas A&M played a sixty minute game against Alabama, right? Like I understand that it happened at the end of the year and it's in a special city. So it feels different, but at the I end of the day, they, you want they to are going game. to give and, a nod and, to winning your conference champion. I, I don't think there's any way they put two sec teams in and neither one is the conference champion. I think that the playoff committee wants these championships to mean something. I think that they've proven that over. And, and the what year. that does is it makes the regular season irrelevant. That's what the playoff has yeah, done. And that's what that's what this will do. Hey, that's why I would like us to go back to the BCS. I'm certainly if, not a playoff fan. If, I'm just telling you, I think there's jump, a good chance Florida gets in if they win. If they jump Texas A&M, it makes the entire regular season irrelevant. A hundred percent. Because that's just asinine that a team that you beat – but because you're in the same, literally, the only reason AM wouldn't get in is because, and I can't believe I'm fighting for Jimbo like this, but the only reason that AM wouldn't get in is because they're in the same division as Alabama. No, it because will be their 30 flip, point loss to Alabama. No, that will be why you, they didn't if, get in. If you, I mean, maybe a three point win? loss to AM looks better than a million point loss to Alabama. So again, head to head no longer matters. Winning more games no longer matters. It they losing, won't have one more game. They will not have one more games if uh won Florida the same wins amount. the SEC championship oh, okay. game. Because, because Florida got an extra game. Actually, no, no. AM plays this weekend. They'll have won the same amount of games. I AM thought AM was canceled last weekend, though. AM, okay. So Florida will have one more win because they got an extra game and AM had a game canceled. So I'll give you that. But so number of losses no longer matters. Like it used to be to play in the playoff. Well, obviously, this is the part of sketch. what's wrong with the playoffs. There isn't a yeah. formula. We don't actually is, know what's I, being discussed I, in there. Yeah, I agree with you completely. A team that loses two games and head-to-head against a team ahead of them and as a 23-point favorite at home should not go to the playoff, and that is what's wrong with the playoff. Completely. Like well, 100% I think that. if that team figures out how to beat Alabama, that team is going to the playoffs. That does not mean that that is uh, – that doesn't mean that that doesn't make the regular season irrelevant. That doesn't mean that that's not a case in point it, as to why the playoffs It, made that, head, it made that head-to-head matchup irrelevant. You're right. It did. And I'm not arguing for the playoffs. I'm just telling you what is going to happen if Florida beats Alabama and Clemson beats the pants off Notre Dame. I, I'll be happy because I'm a Gator fan. I, this doesn't mean that I'd be happy if it was any other team, because I think you're right. It does take away from the regular season, which is why a lot of us college football purists are not fans of the playoff, because we do feel like that this is what it does. I personally think it's absurd to think that Ohio State would go. I, I think that there's, I think, I don't think that, I think the whole thing is 
messed up. I think that we were better off with the BCS. We were better off when there was a computer system that had, there was some sort of formula that figured it out. I think that strength of schedule should matter. I think that quality wins should matter. I think that there's a lot of factors that basically we don't know if they matter or not. And I think that sometimes it varies per team. It definitely varies per year. And there is no standard, which drives me insane. All of that aside, if Florida beats Alabama and Clemson soundly beats Notre Dame, the Florida Gators are going to the playoffs. And honestly, a two, I, I, the two-loss SEC champion belongs there just as much as a team that didn't play three of their games. So the other question I have is if Notre Dame – I mean, and you're going to – well, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not. I'm not saying this will happen. But if Notre Dame was to beat Clemson by three – I think Clemson deserves to get in over Florida. Uh, I have you lose on to the same team twice. One without your best player, and it's not all resume to me. It's resume and eye test. Like, are you telling me that you think Florida would beat Clemson on a neutral field? You know, I obviously think Florida would beat, beat Notre Dame. Even, so if Notre Dame beats Clemson for a second time, then yeah, I do. I, I think Florida I mean, would beat Notre I Dame. Think, I don't think Notre Dame's that I, good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that's not, but that doesn't really play in the scenario. It's would they beat Clemson? Because if Notre Dame loses close, like, like they're in. But if Clemson loses by three, like I know they're going to jump a two loss SEC champion over a two loss non ACC champion. Like I, you know, I have no delusions about the fact that that will happen. But in that scenario, both teams having two losses, you know, Clemson losing two. At the, it'll be the number two team twice by three points once in overtime. I think that I just don't think that think people want to see a potential third matchup. I don't think I, mean, the, I don't think the committee will want to see that. I don't. I just. I don't think that that's appealing. I think we also have to keep in mind that this is a business, and I do think that Notre Dame and Clemson are great brands that bring in revenue, and so that's something that is a plus. And, you know, Ohio State is the same way. Alabama is the same way. I would say that Florida is the same way. But I just, I don't know. It. I don't think, and I also do think the playoff committee likes to appease the SEC, which I, you know, I'm sure that drives everybody that's not in the SEC nuts. But I do feel like the SEC wields some power there. And if there's two ACC teams getting in, which the ACC is not great, top to bottom, I I don't know. I just. I mean, I don't know that we're going to say the SEC is great top to bottom. I, but either, see, I but think they are. I think and I think, I think they're. I think they're slightly better at the top. Like I think that Bam is obviously <sighs> clearing above. I think Bam is obviously clearing above number one. A and M in Florida and Georgia are good, and then everyone else sucks. Like I, honestly, no one though, else I think Auburn would be everybody SEC? but Clemson in the ACC. Auburn I think that LSU Auburn would have a way better record in the in the ACC. I think that. Ole Miss would have a better record in the ACC. I think that there's outside of Vandy, probably, I think every single team in the SEC would have a better record if they played in the ACC. And I think that matters. We don't have parity in college football. So it's not fair for a committee to sit there and act like we do. And I think that's why we've ended up with multiple SEC teams in the playoffs more often than not. Because there isn't parity, and they know that the SEC is better. I mean, the SEC has more better teams. I'm not buying that, you know, LSU and some of these teams are going to have better records outside. 
when they're Are you kidding? Losing. You don't think if LSU had to play Duke and Wake Forest instead of Alabama and Texas A&M in their division that they wouldn't have a better record? You think if they didn't have I think to play take Auburn those, I think they, and, I mean, come on. Or the, or the juggernauts of UF. I mean, I I think that, you know, LSU is an exception this year with losing half their roster, losing to Mississippi State, getting on both sides getting, of the ball. Getting blown out by Auburn, who again is also not good. I don't know. The SEC is better. Like I'm not about to make that argument. I think the eight the SEC and the ACC are very top heavy. And I think teams, especially on the East, the ACC maybe the, maybe the, is maybe two teams and on one of them's borrowed. I mean, North Carolina, I mean, the ACC has just as many ranked teams as the SEC does. Because they all beat up on each other this year. They so can't play the anybody SEC. outside of it. So, I mean, so does the SEC. You've got your really, no, really good teams about the, the that about the SEC. I, I mean, think so it benefits. I th- but see, I think the ACC, the ACC the benefited from not having to play out-of-conference games. I think the SEC was harmed. I mean, I don't know how you're coming up with that logic, but because because do you think? I mean, mean, think about the cross conference games. Uh, Okay, so Clemson beats South Carolina. Yeah, Florida State got added to Notre Dame, and Miami got added to Clemson. Like there would be one less loss that not even a good Miami team has. Miami would be nine and one right now if not for that. You know, know. so you have it even more inflated. I just I think the teams. I think the teams on, and and again, the SEC is better. But the team, the top four teams in both conferences, are just the best four teams in in each of those conferences. And if you take them team for team, right? Like Alabama, Notre Dame, one and two, Clemson, A and M, three and five, North Carolina and Florida, Florida seven, North Carolina is what like twelve, and then the last ones, Georgia, and so like yeah, the SEC is slightly better on each one of those, minus the Clemson A and M one, but like they're all just. Four, you know, like the SEC has four really good teams, and then a bunch of bottom feeders, and the ACC has four really good I teams. I right? think a bunch of bottom feeders. the bottom feeders in the SEC are heads and tails better than the bottom feeders in the ACC. And I think that when we rely heavily oh, on the see. eye test, we're using the assumption that things are pretty much equal. And I don't think that they're even remotely close to equal. I see. I don't. I don't know that I agree with that. I think that I know you don't. You know, you look, but, at, you look at teams like you look at teams like. Vandy, South Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Arkansas, like all of those teams are absolute trash. Like, and I, you know, and Vandy's not winning the game anywhere. In, South Carolina, South Carolina would not, South Carolina wouldn't beat, obviously, any of the top four that we mentioned. They wouldn't beat NC State. Um, I, South Carolina, Florida State, I don't even know who would win that. I think Florida State would beat South Carolina. I mean, there aren't, I think Florida State could beat, the bottom three teams in the SEC this year, like your Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi State, maybe four. You know, like those teams are so bad um, and not competitive with anybody except for Tennessee's good when they play Vandy, right? And South Carolina was able to sneak. I mean, everybody beat Vandy this year, but I don't know. I think that your bottom teams and the SEC is better. Like that's not the argument I'm making. I'm just saying like they're so top heavy on both sides. I don't know where this came from. Like, what, where we got off on all this? Because I was I mean, explaining SEC, yeah. why, if Florida beats Alabama, they are going to be in the playoffs. And just uh, listen, I'm not even saying it's right, but I'm telling you, it's what's going to happen if Florida were to beat Alabama. And again, I'm not saying Florida is going to beat Alabama, but if they do, they're in. So, 
Yeah, I agree with you that that would be wrong. I'm not sure that I'm settled on that is what would happen. Um, but you know, if it does, then I don't know. I guess Florida gets a rematch with Alabama at that point and then has to beat him again. Um, Do you think Alabama so, still gets a one seed if Alabama loses to Florida in the playoffs? Yeah, see, that's so asinine. Again, if they put Florida in, because how do you even do that? Now, Florida's not – I mean, you can run back this tape if I end up being wrong, but Florida's not beating Alabama Saturday anyway. So it's a bunch of – you know, it's me getting all worked up for nothing. But, yeah, how do you even rank that, right? Like Alabama won – more games than Florida did, but Florida happened to win the head-to-head. But, oh, wait, head-to-head doesn't matter because when Florida beat or lost to Texas A&M, we're just suddenly discounting hey, that. Well, so, we'll have a 6-0 and <laughs> Ohio State game team, so actually playing the games also doesn't really matter. So, so I say you just I, crown I Notre know. Dame the champ. I say you just crown Notre Dame if, the champs now and cancel the playoffs. If Clemson beats the pants off Notre Dame, Clemson, in my opinion, and, and Florida has beaten Alabama, Clemson, in my opinion, gets the number one seed. And I think basically it will have been backing into it. I think it would be Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and then Florida would have the fourth. I think it's hilarious to me that you would you would have the team that just won ranked lower than the team. Like, how do you not jump them? Right, following all the logic. So they would well, be stop them from that didn't stop them from jumping A and M. It only stopped you know like your win was only so good, right? Like it can jump A and M, but it can't jump Bama. <laughs> Losing to A and M. <laughs> you can jump A&M who you lost to, but you can't jump Alabama who you beat. <laughs> you see, like the logic in all of it is insane. And it's not your fault. Like you're probably right about all this stuff, but just like the asinine logic you have to use to then put a two loss team in. Alabama, will have, Alabama was undefeated in the regular season and played the most amount of games of the four teams. I think it's hard to put them at number one coming off a loss. I think, I guess it depends on how they lose too. They lose to Florida in overtime, you know, because by one or something absurd, I don't know, then maybe they can still hang around at number one. I, I, I don't know. But I would just, for me, Clemson beating the pants off Notre Dame kind of avenges the loss against Notre Dame because they didn't have uh, Lawrence. So that to me is why I would then put them number one because they would not have suffered a loss that weekend. Ohio State, I just have a really hard time putting anywhere higher than three based on the fact that they played like half as many games as everybody else. And I don't like the assumption that they'd be favored so they would win. I don't like the idea of like they passed the eye test, but we saw half as much of them as we saw of everybody else. That makes me uneasy. I just... There's a reason we play these games every Saturday. Otherwise, we might as well just set the playoff bracket at the beginning of the year, just play the other games as exhibition games, and then go on to the playoffs. So well, there wasn't a reason. Well, there wasn't a reason you guys went to College Station in this scenario. There was no reason to have that game. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny to me again that Florida's loss against Alabama will not let them jump them, but their loss or their win against Bama can't jump them, but their loss to AM will let them jump them. Um, so. I think that it's uh, – I, listen, there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason to this. We've watched this in the playoffs over the years. There is – they don't use the form, same formula every single year for sure. I'm just telling you what is going to happen if Florida figures out a way to beat Alabama, as unlikely your, as it is. Yeah, what are your percent chances on that, on mm, Florida beating Alabama? Like 15% probably. Hmm, I'll take that. Um, 
I think a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things have to go the Gators way for that to happen. And I think that uh, defense has to, if they can get into a shootout with Alabama, the defense has to figure out how to come up with two to three stops. Do they have two to three stops in them for Alabama's offense? I don't know. The athletes at the moment don't match up. There is Florida's defense has been pretty much God awful. Alabama has a offense filled with athletes, track athletes, essentially. So that is scary. They have to figure out how to force a turnover, do something two to three times, stop two to three drives to have a shot at beating Alabama. And then, but that also is making the assumption that Florida is scoring almost every possession, which I also think they have to do. So, you know, that's a pretty tall order. Florida got nine drives against Texas A&M. They had 15 drives against Georgia. Obviously, some of that due to Georgia's kind of stagnant offense, and Florida was able to force some three and outs and have some quicker drives there. And then against LSU this weekend, Florida had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 drives. It's a little inflated because one of those drives came with 23 seconds left on the clock. Right. The other one came as a result of a pick six. So Florida got the ball back like immediately. Right. So maybe that number is closer down to 13. Um, a lot of offense. So Florida, yeah. So if Florida gets 10 possessions, they need to probably score on seven of them. Uh, just assuming probabilities, that's probably going to look like. I don't know, five touchdowns, two field goals. Like you're, you're not going to get, you're not going to have a hundred percent success rate on touchdowns. Right. You know, they have it in most games. So five touchdowns and two field goals would look like 41 points. I was going to say you the know, Florida needs to score 40 points to beat Alabama. Yeah. And, and that would, if Florida has 10 possessions, that would probably mean that Alabama is going to have at least nine. Like if you sure. can, if you can time it up right on a, right. um, you know, end of first half getting, you know, if you kick off to them, but you also get the, you know, last possession of the first half, you can kind of double up. So anyway, you can kind of double up on, on it once. So if you can get one more possession than Alabama and they only get nine, you know, if I need to fix that, if you can kind of double up on Alabama and they can only get nine and you can hold them to scoring on again, five or six, if they score on six, it's, probably not going to be good because they're probably going to score 45, you know, something like that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. They, they, I, I like, I kind of like Florida to keep it somewhat competitive. Uh, yeah. I do I, too. I just think that, you know, Florida refusing, I mean, I don't know that they're going to be able to refuse to run the ball this year or this weekend, but I don't know how effective they're going to be in running the ball. So you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I certainly like Alabama to win. Most people like Alabama to win. Vegas likes them to win by a lot. Um, yeah. So, you know, I could see Florida covering the spread. I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if they won. Um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like Florida to cover the spread too. I do think that it 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 honestly depends on how Florida comes out the gate. If Florida comes out the gate like they have the last month, it's going to be really difficult for them to hang because I don't think that this is a team that's really built to come from behind. Um, I think that that's too much on a defense that's just not good. Um, So I think that the offense has to come out 
slinging and the defense has to figure out how to make a few stops. I think it's helpful if those come early. Um, I think that gives some momentum, but I, you know, I don't, I don't think Florida's odds are great. I think that there's a great chance they cover the spread um, for sure. I could see, I could see Florida even covering the spread in a, in a backdoor way. Like I could see Florida keeping it close in the first half, going to the half down 10, right? Not out of it by any means. Um, Alabama coming out and playing well in the third quarter, taking like a, I don't know, 24 point lead into the fourth quarter. And then Florida scoring, you know, a little, little too late, a little too little, a little too late, but cover the spread kind of in a backdoor way. You know, it'll really come down to, that's the other thing. Alabama runs the ball really, really well, right? They still, I mean, I guess I could look it up. I know I was big on how many rushing touchdowns people were scoring versus passing touchdowns, but for most of the year, Alabama had, um, I'll look it up while we're talking, had more rushing touchdowns than uh, passing touchdowns by Mac Jones, which is pretty incredible since he leads the Heisman odds. Um, Florida State did that with uh, Jameis's year when they had more um, rushing touchdowns than he threw for passing touchdowns. Right now they, they do. They have 28, 30, 32, 33 rushing touchdowns, and Mac Jones has thrown 27. So – Bama will run the ball and, and run the ball probably pretty well. Najee Harris is averaging uh, six yards a pop. And so if they can run the ball on Florida, that strategy that other teams were kind of imploring earlier in having – if Alabama comes out and gets the ball first and has a five, six-minute drive running the ball on Florida and Florida get, and goes down 7 nothing, and then Florida gets the ball and – Say they score a touchdown. I, I don't even care. Yeah. And then Alabama has another one of those long drives to go yeah. up fourteen to seven. Florida's only gotten one possession in that first quarter, and that's not sure. good for their fifteen possessions right. a game. That, that, yeah, that they no, have I got think, in some of their um, games. So generally, it's a good thing for teams to have the game slow down. I don't think that that's the case for Florida. I think that quick possession. If Florida comes out and goes, if Florida comes out and goes, Alabama goes up right, and there's. Nine minutes left on the clock, and Florida goes three and out real quick, and Alabama goes up fourteen nothing, and there's two minutes left in the first quarter. That's not good because you're right. you just only well, have so many possessions. If the left. inevitable is that Alabama scores, it's much benef- more beneficial for Florida for it to happen quickly, right? Because we can't make the assumption that Florida's going to score every offensive possession. So the more shots you get, the more chances there are for points. Um, also, on and- the defensive side, if if Alabama only gets eight possessions. Saying that you you're going to stop screw them up on so many times, yeah. yeah. Well, saying that you're going to stop them on four of them becomes a lot more daunting. If Alabama has 15 possessions, stopping them on four is not that big of a deal, sure, right? Sure, you know, um, they're not going to score 11 times, I hope. right? But right. um, if they only have the ball eight times, that becomes a lot tougher to, yeah. to stop 50% of the time, so. Yeah, I mean, and I think Saban knows that, right? Like, I think he knows. Of course he does. So that will be what they try and do. But Dan Mullen knows that as well. So, uh, you know, that's that's part of the battle here, right? Is figuring out the strategy here. You figure, you know, for the most part, what the strategy of your opponent is going to be. So then, how that dictates your game plan and what you do that scares me. I think that Dan Mullen's a great coach. I think he's a great game day coach. I am not convinced that Grantham is a great defensive coordinator. And so I 
I think he plays uh, checkers, not chess, honestly. And, and I think that he's very stubborn and unwilling to make adjustments at times. And so I'll be interested to see how much Dan Mullen is on him. No, Grantham. Grantham. I thought you were talking about Mullen keeping Grantham. Well, (laughs) I guess it could apply there too. I guess it could. Uh, You know, Mullen has only ever fired one coordinator in his career. Um, That being said, if an NFL team wants to come pluck Todd Grantham this year, like they did last year, um, I'm good with it. I feel like all he's Do you done think they will? Like with what well, they've seen. I, you know, this he year? got I don't know. I mean he I mean you could have said that last year ago. too. Last year he got ago. another raise. He got another he's like one point seven million dollars as a defensive coordinator right now. You love to see um, it. You just and absolutely part of that is because NFL teams came after him, but I feel like he two seasons in a row he did this and and I think that Florida's defense has, I think this is the worst defense that Florida has fielded in a decade. Okay. I think even when you're talking about teams that won four games, seven games, things like that, I think that those defenses were better than the product that Florida has put on the field this season. And I think that there's only one thing that you can look to, and that would be Florida's defensive coordinator, because you know, it's not the talent. Florida hasn't had an issue recruiting defensive players, even back to the McElwain and the Muschamp years. They were always good on the defensive side of the ball. They struggled getting in athletes on offense. They struggled having, you know, even semi-functional offenses most of those years. But defense was never an issue. So it's mind-blowing to me to be in a situation where Florida has the best offense that they've had in a decade, probably longer but the worst defense when you know the kind of talent that they've brought in on defense, the, the offense is more with less, right? Uh, I mean, they have less athletes than Clemson, than Alabama, than Notre Dame, than Georgia on offense. And their offense can hang with all of those places, but defensively they've gotten top guys all along, which makes the defensive performance even less excusable than I feel like it is when you have a $1.7 million coach. So, I mean, I think the offensive, I mean, I'll back that up just a little bit. I think the offensive talent is just as every bit as good as just every bit as good as the defensive talent on the roster right now. And I don't know if that speaks more. The signing class class rankings would not agree with you on that. But that's where we've talked about that before. That is a developmental, a development thing. And sometimes you just, sometimes Sometimes you just miss on guys, right? Like yeah, there's also like the transfer sure. portal. Like they brought in guys that are amazing. I think I mean, when you look at the when you look at the talent of Kendarius Tony, and you look at Kyle Pitts, and I don't care what Trask's high school rating is because that's not what he's been judged but on. That's he's much development. Better. He's much. He's and that's what I'm saying. He's much better than. Sure, you know, I think that Dan Mullen is great at and, developing and, offensive talent, but and I think it the shouldn't be that hard. The defense lost a lot last year with Grenard and some of these yeah, guys. Yeah, but they that still left. have a lot of really highly rated guys there, and I, I mean, think Mark that it's a highly rated guy. Yeah, and it should be easier to do more with more talent. It shouldn't be that your offense is light years ahead of you when, when rankings wise, they shouldn't be. Your offense is. Mullen is a great developer of talent. When he has five, six years to have handpicked his roster, I think the sky is the limit in terms of offense there. Defense, I don't think that there's an excuse for not developing the talent when the talent starting out is so much better than your offensive talent was. 
And yes, you miss some guys. I think that happens a lot, particularly on offensive line. I think that's why you got to, you know, sign tons of them because right on a high school team, you just put the biggest, baddest guy there and hope for the best, right? There's no actual skill involved in it most of the time in high school. It's a crapshoot. You could probably say the same thing with defensive line, although I think that those high school athletes are um, a lot more athletic in general. But I mean, you're talking about DBs that every school in the country wanted Florida gets, and then they, they haven't developed them. And I don't, I don't know exactly what the problem is, but I know that this wasn't a problem for an entire decade. And the last three years, Florida's offense has gotten worse and as their offense has gotten better. So there's some sort of disconnect somewhere. How much of it? Okay. So I know I play the contrarian on this show, but how much of it has to do with Florida? I mean, Florida is not the only team experiencing this. Right. Sure, so sure. I know that Florida fans really hate Todd Grantham and um don't seem to don't seem to give any blame to his boss for for keeping him I around. I think at a certain point you but, blame Dan Mullen. I, you know, I think after this season they, you have a serious conversation about it. They really, really hate Todd Grantham, but if you look at defenses in the rest of the conference, it's much of the yeah, same. I mean, I right? think like, that it's it's not I think Florida fans I, I'll say this, and I know that I'm probably going to get cussed out by somebody on Twitter for even suggesting that it, it's not Grantham's fault as much as it's being made out to be. But Florida fans are totally okay with the fact that their offense has gone from just completely horrid to great, and that's pretty much what every other offense in the SEC has done too, minus like we're the like- we're like battered wives, every, though, TJ. Yeah, We're just like happy it's every, here. We don't care how it got here. Every offense has gotten better, and that's just a sign of the times. Like, it's the offenses people are running. It's the way they protect wide receivers. It's the athletes that coaches focus on. Like, Alabama's offense. It doesn't offense, matter it, it if, to, if it wins it football be, games. Right. It used but to be the defense the is costing football games. Alabama's offense was not that great. They always had a great running back. And, and a game a manager as a quarterback. And a great defense. And now Alabama's defense still very talented, but they're not the top, like the greatest defense you've ever seen. And sure. so that's just the trend of college football. Yeah. Florida's is more drastic. I think right? Florida's Florida, is more drastic. Florida, and I think but it'd be like me being a Bucks fan and being upset that the Bucs have the number one ranked offense because we don't have like the defense of like Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and John Lynch, like knocking guys' heads off, and we're losing games because of the defense. But that's just the trend that everything I, is yeah, taking. Like, but I think are, this who are, Florida, great, who are great defenses in college football? Like Clemson gave up forty-two to Notre Dame. You know, like no, there are defense is just not a thing anymore. A thing this year. Well, here's the thing. I think that Florida was trending this way prior to everybody else trending this way, and I think that's part of the problem. I think that we're in a weird year. With COVID, I think, um, and we've talked about this on previous pods, I think that it's definitely possible that that has affected play of, of players. I think that our offenses are also changing. And I don't know if it's that this entire game is evolving to this. I don't know how much of a factor COVID was in evolving them as well, because I do think that when you're short practices, it's easier for your offense to look better than it is for your defense to look good. But I just think the issue is that Florida has trended down each of the last three years more drastically than the rest of college football. So I don't know if 
it's problems Florida has that's then exacerbated by the fact that this is just the trend of college football. I don't know if Florida's are unrelated to the trend of that's going on the rest of college football. I just know that this has been going on for three years and we weren't saying this about the rest of college football three years ago. We have said it this year for sure. Florida has given up less points overall. And I know that situational defense is important, but Florida has given up less points overall than anyone else in the East, minus Georgia, who has played one less game. uh, And has given up less points than everyone in the West, minus Bama and A&M. So like minus the teams that they're – and Florida has scored more points – than everyone else in the SEC minus Alabama. And so like this is the same stats that Todd Grantham will point to at every one of his press conferences, but I feel like we can read the stats on the paper, but then if you're watching the game happen, you're seeing missed assignments, you're seeing missed tackles, you're seeing shoestring tackles, you're seeing guys you're seeing that everywhere else to too. wrap up. Like you happened. know what? That's but I don't want it to be else. on my team. Teach your kids how to tackle. Teach, you know, I I don't I just I think it's a cop out to be like that's happening everywhere. So what everybody forgot how to tackle everywhere? Great. Use that I mean, as your advantage. Teach would, your I, kids how to tackle. Would, Let that hey. separate you from everybody else. I just don't think I think stats are nice, but when you watch these games, you are not seeing guys giving full effort with great form. And I so think that's I'll a say, coaching issue. I think you've got some great points on that. I think that and going back to the LSU game specifically, it's the I don't know that the offense wasn't worse than the defense. Yeah. But here's the thing. You you've got so to allow I, I think, for I, your, the offense had bailed the defense out this entire season. You've got well, to offense, expect that at some point the offense may have an off game, right? I mean the and defense this was it for Trask. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? The defense did enough against Missouri, holding them to 17. The defense did enough against Georgia. The defense did enough against Vandy. The defense did enough against Kentucky. The defense did enough against Tennessee. So, like, I know that in the big games, the Florida's defense has failed them, but Florida's offense is what failed them this game. Right, getting, yes. stopped on, getting stopped well, on the one-yard line, throwing an interception inside the 20. Yeah, throwing an interception oh, those that did not help points. at I mean, all, that's 20, sure. that's 20. That's 21 points right there. Yeah. And so, you know, no, Florida's, Florida's offense did them great. no favors this this so game the, at all. But that's defense, also an anomaly compared to the rest of the season. And I I just, I don't know. The defense Florida's defense Florida is not one, great. Florida's defense cost them one game and their offense cost them one game. Yeah. Or if you just well, look at it like, I don't know. Or you just look at it as a defensive player cost this game. But. I mean, God, I still can't believe who throws a shoot. It's just so... I, I mean, if it's a towel, a mouthpiece, a shoe. I know. And it's, that, it's... Who even got the shoe? The did ref, the, I the think. That's how he marked oh. out how many yards away it was. Why did he say how many yards that was? I think he was That's just as dumbfounded as the rest of us. What I think happened, this is so random, to lighten the mood a little bit from our arguing. Um, Have you ever that. seen me this hot on a pod, by the way? I don't know. I'm drinking this Weller antique that somebody just gave me. I, I le- am legitimately hot. Like I am sweating over here. I have the light on. I'm on still it is so hot. from Saturday. Um, so I think what happened is he did. Yeah, he's not the one that threw the flag, right? Like the head, right? It was like the linesman. And so I think when asking, like, oh, what was the flag for? The linesman probably just spouted that out and was like, oh, the, he threw the shoe like 20 yards on the field, right? Because that's something like me or you would say yeah, to each other in yeah. conversation. And so he probably heard that. Sure, and, and then, then him announcing like, that was kind not, of hilarious. 
not like thinking, just like announced exactly what he heard, right? Because right. usually when he hears like false start, 56 offense, you know, he says that exactly. And so when the ref like didn't know how to explain it and just said like, he threw the shoe like 20, he announced it like that. And yeah. I even looked at Karen and said, I've never heard that in my entire life. At that point, I still thought Florida was going to win because yeah. I thought LSU would screw it up. But, um, yeah. you know, so, okay. So I think we've covered just about everything. We haven't done our picks. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, with the Heisman. You know, I could see a couple of scenarios. Obviously, if Florida wins and Trask plays really well, I still think he's got a chance at it, yeah. which I think he would deserve more than Florida would deserve to go to the playoff. Like, I, I am completely okay with Kyle Trask winning the Heisman. Um, you know, a lot of people have worked really hard uh, for Kyle Trask to win this Heisman, none more than Dan Mullen, who has basically had to throw away his entire run playbook for Kyle Trask. And so I think it would, would be a shame if, if Trask didn't win the Heisman. Um, but I'd love Devontae Smith to win the Heisman. Like that, to me, that would be cool. Like I hope he, I mean, I know you want your team to win, but I hope he has like a punt return touchdown. I hope he catches two touchdown passes and wins it because I'm tired of it being a quarterback award. You know, if I I don't know if there's any reports about whether Pitts is going to be held out this weekend or not, or if he's expected to play or what the situation is, but Trask and Jones, one one of them is probably going to win the Heisman and neither one of them is the best player on their team. Pitts is the best player on UF and and Devontae Smith is the best player um, on Bama. Trask and Jones just play the most important position, right? Like, the position that gets the most glory and the most hype. And the Heisman has become a quarterback award, just like the um, NFL MVP has become a quarterback award. And and so um, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I'd love, you know, I mean, if I was Mac Jones, I wouldn't throw it to, to Devontae Smith, to be honest with you. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'd throw it to whoever Marco Wilson was guarding anyway. But, I, you know, I'm not throwing the ball to Devontae Smith because I want to win the Heisman. Do you think they think about that at all? Like if you're like, no, how do you? No, not? I don't. I don't. I think going whoever, into the game, they might whoever's think like, open. I don't. He's yeah, whoever's open that play, you make the read, and yeah, I don't even I know don't, if you, I don't think that. That's I mean, obviously, I've never played quarterback in Division One level. I know that shocks a lot of you listening, but I don't even know if they really realize who. I mean, I know they realize who the wide receiver they're throwing to is, but I think they're just looking for a jersey color that's open. You know, I don't think they're yeah. like thinking in their mind like oh that's Devonte, yeah like hit him or whatever you know i think that i'm sure there's certain times there are right like on plays that are designed to go to a certain guy or whatever but i think they're just so yeah. but i mean i would joke with him you know like especially if like if if jones throws like five touchdowns and none of them go to him like i'd tell him after the game i'd be like bro i didn't throw to you intentionally on purpose you're <laughs> i mean i did think um, it's interesting your, that after we did our pod last week national media started talking about are they taking votes away from each other we were i also think it was interesting I think it was interesting that I came up with the whole like padding stat stuff. And then like three days after that, people started jumping on the So like everything we talk about here just comes true. So yeah. what, uh, what that we talked about this week will come true. Um, I don't have anything else before we do some picks and get out of here. Do you have anything else? I think that's it. Oh, Hey, congrats on Mackenzie Milton there. That is a big transfer. Florida state now, assuming that Kyle Trask goes to the NFL draft, Florida state now has the best quarterback in the state next year which is kind of cool. Um, it's been a while since that happened. So, and a national champion. So you cannot. Um, <laughs> Wonder if he'll wear his ring around. I, uh, you, have you seen, have you ever seen Predator? Like that terrible movie? From yes, the, I think so. 
It's so Because Eric has watched every movie known to man and can quote every single one of them. I think it's probably been on our TV at some point. Have you seen the – like that the – it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, Apollo Creed. I don't know Apollo Creed's name in the movie, but like the handshake gif that, or like meme that you'll see. Like, um, here, I'm going to send it to you so that you know what I'm talking about. But you've seen this meme before. Um, this is terrible that it's live, but check this out. And so for people listening, it was the Predator handshake that you see memed everywhere. And the two arms, one said FSU and one said, okay. one said FSU fans and one said UCF fans. And in the middle, it said finally agreeing that UCF won the national championship. <laughs> Just so they could use it. <laughs> yeah, so they, so they could talk about McKenzie Milton. So if you haven't seen that, look it up. Um, picks last week. Somebody had a pretty good week. Do you want to guess who that was? I'm going to guess it wasn't me. It was not you. I went five for five last week and I am looking to, I finally got over 500. So that's fun. Yeah. Um, I just needed to win one more than I lost. And when going five for five is super helpful to rankings, but we're going to do this all the way through bowl season. I don't know how many bowls we're going to get or how many people are going to crap out of them, but um, we're going to, we'll get up over a hundred, I think, because we're at 83 games that we've picked right now. Well, we've picked more, but a bunch have gotten canceled and we're doing six more this weekend. So last week um, I hit on all of these, so I'm not going to say that I hit on all of them, but you did get uh, Georgia over Missouri. Georgia was a 13 point favorite. You did not, you picked Miami to cover the spread and boy, that was a laugher. Um, you took Florida to cover the spread. Which I thought did not I took happen. North Carolina. I took Miami. I wrote down North Carolina on my list here. Well, your list was right, but your pick on the pod was not. Gotcha. Um, you took UF. You took Duke. You did not have faith in no, FSU. No, I did not. And you did get Iowa, which was a pick em against Wisconsin. So you went two for five, and I went five for five. For the season, I am 44 out of 83, and you are 38 out of 83. So six behind, if I go over six here and you go six for six, then you will tie it up. Uh, Florida State is a six and a half point underdog at Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest covers this spread, but I'm going to pick FSU and and be a good fan. I'm going to pick Wake Forest. So there's a chance for you to come back by one. USC is a three point favorite against Oregon. I like USC here. I like USC too. Uh, Oklahoma is a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Iowa State. I'm taking Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma as well. I have no faith in Iowa State. Um, Iowa State is ranked – to go back to these asinine rankings, um, Iowa State is ranked number six ahead of Florida after having a a loss to Louisiana, a 17-point loss to Louisiana. And they're ranked number six right now, but Cincinnati at eight and zero can't get ahead. Of, like that is just insane to me. To me, it, it, the rankings and the committee and everything is. And I understand that my team is in the the beneficiary or like whatever to being biased for, um, you know, being in the Power Five. But that is just stupid. Like, does it? I mean, not that Cincinnati is some world beater, but for Iowa State to be ranked ahead of. Cincinnati or I mean even coastal Carolina or Florida like Florida would wipe the like Florida would lose to 
you know, I mean, Florida's ranking's fine, right? Like seven, somewhere between seven and ten. But for Iowa State to be ranked ahead of them, I mean, it's just insane. And to lose by seventeen to Louisiana, you know, the raging Cajuns. That is at home in the Sun Belt Conference. That's insane. So, anyway, um, I was I like Oklahoma to win that and cover the spread. So yeah, me too. Uh, Clemson minus ten and a half. I I think Clemson wins here, but I think Notre Dame finds a way to cover and by covering gets into the playoff. I think Clemson covers. I think they win by a lot. Cincinnati um, doing their very best to try and get a little bit of respect from the playoff committee is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite against Tulsa. Uh, I think that Cincinnati feels super disrespected at the fact that they just keep dropping in the rankings, though they keep winning games. And I think they come out with a point to prove, and, and I think they beat the hell out of um, Tulsa because of it. Uh, I agree with you on this, so it's going to be hard for me to make up any ground here. Well, I'll give you a chance on this one. I will take Nick Saban to cover the spread against Florida. I will take Florida to cover the spread. It's going to be hard for you to make up ground on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Can't pick against um, him. So we will recap those next week. Uh, one more thing. I know we've been on here for a while, and then we can get out of here. But um, my favorite saying that you've ever saw in here is more balls is better. So tell us about the balls this week. <laughs> okay. I don't actually even remember saying that. But um, so we had an awesome uh, ball collection. We actually collected – $1,500 on top of what my family contributes um, this year from listeners, from our friends and family on Facebook. Um, Big Three Rollup made a really sizable contribution to us. Um, and so it, it, you know, just made the pot that much bigger. We gave more balls this year than we ever had, over 500 balls, which, um, you know, is is huge. Um, I posted some pictures on Facebook. I'll, I'll tweet them out. Um, but Metropolitan Ministries was pumped. I think that Dick's Sporting Goods was pumped. Um, and hopefully the families that get these balls are, um, are really pleased as well. But thank you to everybody that contributed. It is my favorite Christmas tradition. I think it's awesome to be able to make a difference in our community. I'm passionate about sports. My family's passionate about sports. I think it's a great pastime to, pass on to kids. Now, super awesome. I'm glad that you guys did it again. It snuck up on me this year. I want to do a better job next year. I um, do too. Really it snuck up on me people. as well. Yeah. I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm actually going to do this right now while we're talking. I'm going to set a reminder in my phone on December 1st to remember it because I mean, we just have so many ways that, that I want us to help with the big three roll up. I want to do a better job of doing it on here. I want to, um, I want to do a good job of we act. It's hard when, you know, you don't have a, you only have so many characters on Twitter and things to do. I want to, I, what I want to do. And we did this with the close to kids drive that we did on the big three roll up is I want to create like a, a product. I created a product on the big three roll up website that was purely a donation thing. Mm -hmm. um, so you could go online and, you know, choose what you donate five, 10, 15, 20, $25, whatever. And, um, I didn't have the functionality once we set that one up and, and it kind of just came up quickly, but I want to do that next year with yours. I want to do a better job talking about it. So I just set a reminder on my phone. Hopefully I still have this phone next year. 
<laughs> Actually, no, they carry over with the iCloud, so it should be fine. But I want to do a better job, and I, you know, whatever you gave last year, I, we want to, or how would you say, five hundred balls? I want to do more than that next year. So maybe we set our goal at like seven fifty or something. Um, and we need to, I, and I also think that if we can on that web page, I can put the videos that you've put before. Yeah. And stuff like that. It's hard to like. We'll have a new video from this year too. It is. It's hard with yeah, the size and. So so um, I can just put a link where all that information is on one page, and they can donate in one page, and then we can just write you a check of everything that people donate there. You can also use that for yourself. Like you can give that out as opposed to any other people. I mean, what's funny is like. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say all this right here, but people are like, oh, I don't really want to donate to your pay, do, donate to your PayPal because it just goes to my PayPal, right? Sure, like, and then goes. Sure. People are like, I don't really know you like that, TJ. So like I just have it set up to where that when they buy it on the website, it looks official and then it goes to my PayPal and then I just write right. you for whatever. So like it all ends up kind of being the same thing, but it just feels more official. All the information's in one place. They, you know, get a receipt, they get an email claiming it, right? So um, you know, I, I want to do a better job with that next year. But I'm glad that, you know, it was still able to be super successful this year. It was. It was great. I mean, this is um you know, it, it has, it has grown organically, uh, um, just within my own family, there's seven kids in the family. I'm the oldest of seven. Four of us are married now and have our own families. So, you know, we are the four of our four families contribute as well to what my parents give. So it has grown in that way, just organically. But this last you year, you like rabbits in your family. Right? Well, <laughs> and some year, of you are producing at two times the rate. My I know, right? I know. I, we, I made a joke. I found a picture from like 2017 or whatever, like the number of balls and the number of children has really grown exponentially over the years. Um, but it, with, and last year, um, the big three roll up gave um, a sizable donation. And I think we had like one or two people reach out to either me or my siblings and say like, hey, we know this is coming up, we'd like to contribute to it. But this year was the first year that, you know, dozens of people contributed. Um, and it, that was really neat to see. It was really cool. It's something that we really are really passionate about. I think it's something that's easily grown. You know, if we can reach a bigger audience, it's not one of those things where somebody needs to donate a thousand dollars. Not that we won't take it. That would be awesome. But like one ball can make a difference if we can reach enough people. And I think that that's that's part of what makes this cool too. I think we can really do some with more time and stuff like that next year. And not that, you know, I keep saying I want to do better next year and I'm sorry this year and all this stuff, not not sorry for you, but like just, it was more successful this year than it's ever been. So like, don't get us wrong, but I just want to just competitive. Like I, yeah. Like, Oh, you did 500 this year? Like we need to hit 750 or a thousand next year. And I think we can with the right messaging and because people do like that. They don't know what to contribute. They don't know how much, but like what's an average, what's an average basketball, 15, 20 bucks, you know, five, 10 bucks. We calculated when we were looking at the receipts. So Dick's Sporting Goods did give us 20% off the purchase this year. And we do have a tax ID number. So we don't have to pay tax, which is awesome. And I think it worked out that like each ball was about $11. We purposefully buy, um, nice sports balls. We buy Wilson's, we buy Nike's, we buy Adidas because we like to think that the balls that we're giving to people are the same things we give to our own children to yeah, play with. I'm not going to buy the, I'm not going to buy the four. Well, at this age of my kids, I, well, yeah, when you're, you're but, like, if your you know, kids going like, out to I'm play buy the, middle school yeah. soccer, you're going to buy a nice soccer ball. That's going to last for the whole yeah. season. And so we want to do that too. We want to know that this, this child is taking home a ball that is going to last him the whole year or the whole football season or soccer season or whatever. Um, but you know, when you get and it I down to that, 
I think having that really tangible number of eleven dollars, yeah, is huge. Um, because we, I mean, you think know, about I what we, I mean, how much about you spend Starbucks on your kids or Dunkin' yeah, Donuts I, or whatever? Like, yes, I buy my kids stupid you know. things at the grocery store checkout that add up to that. Like, if we could all make a conscious effort not to do that one or two weeks a month of the whole year. Like what a difference that makes. Just do it once total, period. You only have to do it once and yeah. contribute that $11. It, it can add up and it does, um, which is really cool to see. Yeah, I'm excited for, you know, I'm excited for, you know, Elena and Bryant to get older and older and, and understand that. And, you know, I, I think it'd be such a cool tradition and, uh, you know, I don't know that she'll understand it three, and I know he won't next year, like a year and a half. Uh, but I want to buy them a ball, and then like say I bought you this so that you could go give it to you know Ali's thing. Like that's what I want to yeah. do, yeah. You know, so that they understand that. And that's the thing. Like if every family just donated one ball, like the big three roll up gets ten thousand listens a week, right? Yeah. So that's a, you know, and I know that not everybody's in a position to give. I'm not saying that. You know, we we need to get to a point where we're giving ten thousand. But but why aren't we? You know, like why don't we have an arm in Gainesville doing this, and then an arm in Tallahassee, and then okay. an arm in Jacksonville doing it? So yeah, I want to get it bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's it's something cool, really cool that your dad uh, started. And and I wanted to I want to see if we can use our platform or all of our platforms to get it bigger. You know, in different places throughout the throughout the state, and then even bigger from that. Um, I think minimal contributions make major impacts. And I just, I absolutely, I can't think about your dad without thinking about him standing over that chicken nugget plate at, uh, (laughs) like that was the, I laughed when I said that about your dad. And I was like that, what I was laughing at was him standing over those nuggets. Like he owned the place. I was like, Hey dad, would you like a plate? Like I'm only eating a couple. Shut up. I'll get, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, I did the same thing all night. I would just grab mine and kind of walk away from. Yeah, <laughs> walk away no, from yeah. The, he, was well, he does right the same it. thing. We have Thanksgiving at my house, and he lays down and takes a nap. And it's like, Dad, there's 25 people here. Like, I know, you know I, three I, more I, people can't sli- can't sit. But yeah, I, I got up to fill up my bourbon again, and I look back, and he's sprawled on the couch. And I was like, I guess that was my seat. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to say anything to him, you know? Like, right. So, all right, well. I think that's it for tonight. We've gone here for an hour and a half, so definitely one of the longer episodes that we've had recently. Allie just threw her headphones in disgust. I, know, I dropped um, my mic. <laughs> but um, go Knowles this weekend and roll Tide. Ew. No roll Tide, but go Gators. But go Let's see what oh, happens. Okay. Many prayers up.